I'm Kyle. Okay, here's where y'all are so wrong because y'all are idiots. And I'm Drew with a U. I just support women. I guess that's what separates me from my co-hosts. And I'm Handsome Drew. Technically, the rules say dogs can't play. Wait, no, no. There's nothing in the rule button that says dogs can't play. Yeah, that's what I just said. And this is not. And this is not. And this is not. This is not the podcast you deserve. Welcome to episode 129 of Not the Podcast You Deserve, as we talk about the season finale of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. And guys, there's a there's a lot to go through on this episode that I want to talk to y'all about. Oh, yeah. But also, I don't know if I want to talk about any of it, <laughs> because I still haven't decided if this was the biggest waste of time, or if this was the best, the best way I could have possibly spent my time, was watching these nine episodes. Ooh, um, interesting. So I want to hear... I want to hear what you guys' takeaway was from this whole thing. Uh, but first off, the opening, uh, the opening wow. title sequence yeah. of this episode was just shot for shot a remake of the '70s The Incredible Hulk TV show, and it was so well done. Yeah, I it, was it was so hilarious. ridiculous and over the top. And I was like, okay, like this this season finale is going to deliver, and I'm fired up about it. And then everything kind of went to hell in a handbasket. But I, I, I still haven't decided how I feel about this last episode or about the show in general now. Uh, so I kind of want to get to to get y'all's to hear what you guys think um, about this. But there, I think it was in the beginning when Jin breaks the fourth wall and she's like laying on the bed and she's like, "This isn't even a reluctant superhero story. I'm just getting screwed over here." <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny because, like, most of Marvel's superheroes are the reluctant superhero type. They they either have to lose the girl or lose their job or lose their family, lose what they love to do because they feel like a burden to be, like, a superhero, to protect others and to do their job. Lose their hammer. Lose their hammer, yes. Uh, but seriously, <laughs> think, think about, like, any of the Marvel superheroes up to this point. They've all lost something for the greater good. And you kind of compare that to like the the DC superheroes who all kind of like feel like it's you know, like this is what they were born to do was to come to Earth and kill General Zod and break his neck and <laughs> to win World War One by running across no man's land and uh, be the Dark Knight for no reason other than I've got a bunch of money. Like none of them really suffered anything because of this burden. It's, they don't see it as a burden, essentially. Whereas all that the man lost his parents. How dare you? He's an orphan, and they never let us forget it. <laughs> You'll see the pearls fall to the ground every time. Um, yeah, but but I do think that was kind of like a funny nod to like kind of all the Marvel superheroes kind of have the same thing of like they feel burdened, like they have to do this thing that they're doing, um, which I think sets up the ending of the the show in the episode in the series pretty well. Um, was there anything in those first couple scenes y'all wanted to talk about, or do y'all just want to jump straight to the final fourth wall break? I, I want to say overall, my impression of the last episode was there were several things throughout. I laughed out loud throughout. There were several things I thought were funny. I thought were uh, interesting. I thought were kind of creative for that episode. And then overall, it still made me mad that I was like, this is a bad show. That realized it was a bad show and tried to eject. Yeah. Oh. I kind of feel the same way. But I like like I respect 
the effort for sure. Because I like, like I said, I laughed out loud. There were things throughout it that I thought were really, really great. And then just overall, I was like, ah. it's like you, you knew you real, you found out you did bad and then you couldn't undo it. <laughs> and then you couldn't figure out how to not do bad anymore. Yeah. No, I, I kind of feel that way too. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I think I'm going to go just a little bit different than my two co-hosts. I really liked the show. I was I I enjoyed my time with it. I I thought it was kind of worth it. Um but I just support women in the workplace. So I guess that's what there separates me from my co-hosts. There it is. Uh Good. but no, I I think I agree with you to an extent of I don't know if this show got us anywhere in the Marvel universe. I don't know if anything of consequence really happened. I don't know if there was a reason for this story to take place. However, that being said, getting us from A to from point A to point A two, I don't know if we got to B. We didn't get anywhere, but it was a really <laughs> fun journey or frolic, and I think you get the most of that in the episode eight. I think the crazy wacky stuff they did uh, was in line with what they had done before up until this point, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay, that's that's interesting. I do think. I think uh, I have a better sense now of what's coming in the MCU than I did when this originally started. Um, some things like MODOK and Doctor Doom and the intelligence of being big bads, um, that was thwarted pretty hard. Uh, it was, it was shot was blocked and sent to the corner pretty, pretty quick. Um, but I do think there was some, some good stuff here that sets up maybe some type of World War Hulk spinoff. Um, yeah. X-Men are brought back up. It gets you closer to Daredevil born again. Um, it even kind of lays the ground for the new Deadpool, um, which I think we all had kind of seen coming. And this episode finally delivered on some of those things. Um, I think from a, a broad standpoint, I talked about how all of the MCU heroes up to this point all kind of have that like burden of superhero dumb, superhero dumb, superheroism. They all feel they are all superheroes and it's a burden to them, but they do it because it's the right thing to do. Besides uh, the guy from Eternals who just leaves. Okay, all right. I don't know why we need to throw shots at (laughs) Finger Dude. Uh, But everybody else, besides him and Sprite, uh, feel like it's a burden to do it. They do it. And also in every MCU uh, TV show up to this point, there's been a big bad that's been behind the scenes that isn't revealed until like the very last episode or the last like two episodes. Um and a lot of the MCU storylines just kind of in and of itself are uh, fairly formulaic. And I think we all know this as viewers, but we just kind of look past it because we love it and all that stuff. Uh, but this show made a mockery and pointed those out and owned up to all of those up front, which I thought was a, which was a fun spin. And if you're going to do the spin, you might as well spin it as hard as you can. And they did. And I appreciated that about it. Um, but is there anything you want to talk about before we get to the Kevin scene? Yeah, I, w- I wrote down some quotes throughout that I thought were really funny and I thought were uh, worth talking about. And those quotes kind of summed up the scene as a whole. And uh, one of them was Jen talking about when the narrator came over the the yes. voiceover. And she goes, no, no, we aren't doing a narrator. We aren't that off the rails. And... Yeah. I thought that was funny because not only is she breaking the fourth wall again, but she is aware that she's in a show and like even to the point of hearing the narrator. Yeah. Um, 
I also laughed at Abomination saying, I've been transforming into Abomination, but only for good, strictly for profit. <laughs> strictly for profit, yes. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was hysterical. And uh, also, well, I guess this is getting into the Kevin scene, but when she shows up in the writer's room. Yeah. Uh, and the guy just goes, what if the entirety of the second season is an extended dream sequence? <laughs> yeah. 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 And at that point in the show, I was like, what am I watching? Yeah, yeah that was a, that was very bold of Marvel at the very least. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. And and to your point earlier, Kyle, of them, you know, referencing overdone plot points in Marvel movies, how, you know, all these characters share the same backstory and, and desires and stuff. The, I think the show did a good job of pointing those out, but I think they they didn't really replace it with anything of substance. It's, you know, yeah, it's one thing to hold yeah. a mirror up to what you've done in the past and be like, hey, we get that we're like this. But I, I feel like that was their goal. To be like, it would be really cool if we pointed out all the stuff that we've done over and over and over again. And then they realized that they didn't have anything. It's like, that was the whole thing. It's like... No, you're, you're, it, it reminds me of like kind of like the punk rock movement. Like, stick it to the man. We're not going to do it the way... But instead of actually doing that, they just made fun of the way... Right. ...that the man's been doing it. And they didn't do anything different. Right. They broke the fourth wall, which was fun. But also, you could have just made a compelling story where there was also fourth wall breaking. And you could have just done something that was wild and zany and different without making a mockery of it, which is kind of how I feel about it at this point, that it was a mockery and nothing else. I did like that Titania's character did not matter one zero percent <laughs> to this entire story. Let me ask you this. Whose character besides Jen Walters did matter one percent in this story? Uh, Matt Murdock, Daredevil. Matt Murdock and maybe Abomination? But everybody yeah. else, everybody else's storyline was either completely wiped out in the end or was made moot at the end. Madison with um, two and ends and one Y. Man, we didn't even see her again at the end. <laughs> I was really bummed about that. Um, yeah, there was a couple of those funny one-liners um, when when they were at the uh, convention, the the intelligentsia convention, and all you hear is that one. You go and Lady Thor, she sucks, and I'm not just saying that because she's a girl. And he was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, dude. Uh, which I feel bad because I'm now saying this show sucks and it's not because it's about a girl, but like, it's truly not. I think from a storytelling standpoint, this is just not very good. Um, and then you get the uh, you get, when Jin gets into the Avengers Assembled uh, and she comes out into the real world, and you hear somebody talking about like, uh, um, oh, you hear somebody talking about the the, the Infinity Gauntlet that you see in Thor. He's like, well, yeah. originally I put it in Thor, but then. Turned out we actually needed as a pretty important storyline later on, which is just another way of Marvel laughing at itself because they've they really wrote themselves into a corner on that one, and yeah. they wrote themselves out by seeing uh, Hella saying fake and knocking it over, and like that was it. We never yeah. we never went back to that thought again. Um, and then uh, when so Jen has broken into the real world, she's talked to the writers. She's trying to go. They said, you need to go, you won't see Kevin. There's no way he won't talk to you. And she marches her way through the hallway. She fights a bunch of people. That was all with fun. With a Wilhelm screen. The Wilhelm screen. But, but but my favorite part of the episode is when Jin gets to the front desk, the gatekeeper of Marvel and of Kevin, and she, the guy makes her sign an NDA. It makes me feel really good to know that even lawyers 
don't read through <laughs> the dozens of pages of stuff that you have to sign just to like get to where you need to go. I've always like thought when I'm doing it, like, am I signing away like the naming rights to my first child or, you know, like, what is this? And to see Jen just kind of scroll down there and scribble her name made me feel a lot better about what I do when I'm presented with a bunch of paperwork that I have to sign to get the thing that I want at this point. Um, so I, I thought that was uh, really nice. And I feel better now. But then we get to Kevin, the knowledge enhanced visual internet interconnectivity yes. nexus. So Which is before, what I would like to spend the rest of our time. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say before you go any farther than that, I love all the setup to Kevin because right when you talk about MCU, like everybody knows, and when you say Kevin, you you assume they're talking about Kevin Feige, and yeah. when she's in the writers' room and uh, the writers go, "This is the story that Kevin wants," and no one wants, no one talks to Kevin. And then he looks her in the eyes and goes, I will murder you to protect Kevin. <laughs> I was dying laughing. I thought that was so funny because of how like crazy serious people get about MCUs. And yeah. like this again, let's point ourselves here. We talk about Marvel stuff more than probably 80% of the internet, which is saying something. And we, even I can go, listen, that's, that's too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I laughed at, at that one, and then I thought the reveal of, you know, because they just keep saying Kevin, 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 Kevin over and over again. So I was like, I can't wait for Kevin Feige to actually show up in an MCU thing. That's really funny. He wrote himself in, mm-hmm. and then the big reveal that it's actually a robot. It's a robot. Uh, <laughs> in, the, in, in the robot engine have a pretty funny back and forth, um, but the... When Kevin Sonner says, but first you must transfer back to your human form because you are too expensive <laughs> and our effects team has already moved on to the next project. And you hear the Wakanda drums underneath. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really funny. Yeah. But Crawford, you talked earlier last week about how this either needed to end in either a big battle or in a courtroom or in like the court of public opinion, I think is what you said. Yeah. Um, to where like She-Hulk wins her name back. And Really, we don't see Jin win any single case as a lawyer in this nine episodes. We do see her win the case against Kevin, and it's presented kind of like a court case where she gets to have her closing argument and give her statement and all that jazz, which um, and we had to see her win one intellectual battle in, in a room in a courtroom of some sort. So I, I guess this was the best that we got. Um, and, and I thought it was a fine scene. I just feel like this is the only time we've seen her win anything, and it wasn't in a courtroom at all. And it was kind of a bummer. I guess she did win the Abomination Court uh, case, but kind of on a technicality. Yeah, and and she would have won the first one from episode one, but uh, it got a mistrial because of right. the Hulk powers, right? So this is, she, she Jen Walters won, and then Hulk lost. Here she, Hulk, won or, you know, Hulk whatevered into the final scene and then won it as Jim Walters, which I thought was kind of fun. little reversal there. Yeah. No, that's that's right on. And then I think she she says something to Kevin, like, why are you putting all these ridiculous plot lines into the into the ending just as I'm kind of figuring out, you know, how to be Jin and She-Hulk. And, uh, you know, the hero's journey is the storyline that most stories take. Um and that that's no different. The show is no different. 
the differences I think, whereas a lot of these Marvel TV shows have been placed out into eight, nine, ten um, episodic fashions, this one a hundred percent could have been a two-hour movie, an hour and a half movie maybe. And I think if it had been presented that way, I would have thought it was great. Um, the fact that they gave me thirty minutes at a time and I had to wait a week for each thirty minutes, um, I think took away from it because. The whole point of this whole series was Jen gets powers. She has to learn who she is and how to be both Jen and She-Hulk and how that works into her personal life, into her professional life, into her superhero life. And then she has to come to grips with that, which is what you get at the end. But instead of just giving us that in a feature-length movie, or even, I don't know, like a, they could have done this in 45 minutes. Uh, they, they, made it, they strung it out for nine weeks, which I'm, I don't feel great about. I think I'm going to take the opposite viewpoint. And instead of making it a a one, two-hour movie, I say make it a shorter, longer webisode series. So give us like five to ten to maybe 15-minute you know, episodes and just drop them either monthly or weekly for like 30 episodes. And it's just day-to-day. Like a comic book. Yeah, yeah. A com- honestly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. More of a how the comic book described do. a comic book, which I love. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like it was made for this, but no. Yeah. But just give us like little fifteen minutes of her. You know, the I feel like there's always two or three stories combined into like one kind of short thirty minute episode. Just give us those individually, and and wrap it up in a neat little bow each time, and then we'll come back next week for the episode of the week or episode of the month or whatever. I I was thinking about like my brother asked me should I watch She Hulk. And he's not the world's biggest MCU fan. Um, he's not a nerd like I am to this extent. And I told him, I think you need to see episode one, eight, and nine, and you're good. You've, you've got everything you need to get into the, the future of the MCU, and you haven't really missed anything. And that is that sucks, I think. I think that it sucks that they gave us nine weeks of 30-minute contents, and you really only need an hour and a half of that to be even caught up into what's happening in the future. You need to see how Jen got her powers. You need to see her interact with Daredevil. You need to see her break the fourth wall and talk to the robot so you know that it happens and that she is self-aware. But like outside of that, pretty much good outside of the Fast and Furious ending <laughs> that we got in this episode. So um, I thought it was fun, but you know, altogether, what are you going to do? Yeah, I think the thing that bothered me the most was that she, or well, that the ending tried to give you the payoffs that you would have wanted from a well-written, well-developed show over those nine weeks, and they just skipped the actual delivery system of it. They just said, here's the ending you wanted. And instead of actually getting to see it happen, come to fruition. Right? Like, you don't see Abomination. She says Abomination, you know, he should own up and pay. Well, I forget what the actual word she said, but something about like taking responsibility for his actions. Yeah. And then he does. But you don't actually see him come to that realization. He just signs a piece of paper and magic wands his way, you know, to that realization, quote unquote. And that felt cheap because it felt like he could have done that. And was on the cusp of doing it, but you just didn't get to see that final click from A to B. Yeah. And that felt cheap. That was the one thing that, that 
I felt cheated on. The rest of it I thought was really entertaining and fun, but it was just like, man, you you brought me to the precipice of these storylines, then totally negated it, gave me a different ending, but I didn't get to see the bridge between. I think as I get older and I have more responsibilities and stuff, it, it, it um, it's become more apparent to me like how valuable time is. You know, when yeah. I was 20, I had all the time in the world, could do kind of whatever I wanted to do and could waste time on, you know, silly stuff and it never mattered. Yeah. Now that I've got wife and child and podcasts with the yahoos and I have to like segment <laughs> out kind of like my days, my hours, like what I'm doing. And, you know, and Marvel has never really taken advantage of that, of the time of the viewer before. I think they're really close to messing with that line now uh, with these TV shows. Do they need to be TV shows? Could they be something you do in an hour instead, hour and a half? You know, I don't know. But this was the first time that I kind of like lost my like Marvel began to lost. It's like everything you do is perfect stamp with Eternals. <laughs> wow. And now that stamp is completely removed after She-Hulk. And I think I think even like I think even uh, Miss Marvel and uh, Moon Knight were also kind of like, mm, don't know if this was worth the time I put into it. Um, I think probably because we do this podcast, I watch the episodes twice and I take notes and prepare and stuff. So I think that's on me more than it's on Marvel, <laughs> who's just trying to put out an entertaining product. But I think is maybe, you know, I don't think I'll ever outgrow my love for superheroes, but I, I may outgrow my love for Marvel Marvel TV shows yeah. if this is what they're going to keep doing at, at this level. Like if y'all aren't even going to take the time to like CGI your character properly, I'm not going to watch it or I won't watch it twice. Or I won't dedicate nine weeks of a podcast to it, you know, which that's on me. That's not Marvel's fault. That's my fault for not growing up. Yeah. But that's kind of where I'm at with it now. And I kind of hate that I I always kind of enjoyed being the kid in the candy shop every time a new Marvel thing came out, you know. And this is the first time I'm like, man, I, I don't know. The candy shop is good every now and then. But like this, this was not worth coming back for 30 minutes nine every every week for, for nine weeks. Um, Crawford, did any of that strike a chord with you or not? Well, now I just have candy shop stuck in my head, so thanks for that. Um, but You're welcome. Before I let Drew just bash my reputation on this podcast, let it be known, I thought Jen did a great job, and I really enjoyed lots of aspects of this show. I just thought the payoff was not all that I wanted it to be. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I thought it was really well acted throughout. I thought that was a great point that Drew made. And I still think that I liked this show more than Miss Marvel, more than Hawkeye. And honestly, because I just didn't like the story or the characters in it at all. Uh, I like this more than Captain America or the, you know, Winter Soldier or Falcon. Soldier. Yeah, that was, that was rough. That one almost lost me. So. You're still just mad he couldn't get a loan from the bank. <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm yeah. so mad that the human no, I, torch was denied a bank loan. Yeah. <laughs> I do think, too, that Tatiana Maslany did an awesome job. It was fun getting Tim Roth and uh, Mark Ruffalo back. I just think the writing was... I think it's almost making me think now that like they wrote it poorly on purpose so that she had a reason to break the fourth wall literally at the end and go back and change it. That, I don't know, that might be giving them too much credit. I don't know. Like I think that they might have written themselves into a huge corner like, this sucks. How do we fix this? Uh, that's, that's what I think happened. I also... Speaking of smashing the fourth wall, I loved her line when she said, Bruce smashes buildings, I smash fourth walls, bad endings, and sometimes Matt Murdock. <laughs> and Matt Murdock. Yeah. I laughed out loud at that. 
I like she was she's awesome. She's got some great one liners. I like that Daredevil dropped from the sky into frame. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was just a nice yeah. touch of like we had already gone zany with the Kevin robot, but then to come back to reality and still have some bizarre stuff happening. That was a nice little wrap up tool I thought they used. Yeah. I also I also laughed when Kevin was like, You will never be back here again. <laughs> like they 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 had to address like you can't keep doing right this. sure right we can't keep the like well why don't I just reset it every time but it's, Close it's up that the loophole. yeah it's the time traveling paradox when you introduce time traveling into any kind of cinematic universe you're like well why don't they just do that every time right 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 so yeah. you there has to be a reason why you can't keep coming back it's why Hulk has to make like a argument that doesn't make a ton of sense in. Uh, in game, in game, yeah. Speaking yeah. of uh, Hulk, yes, the is it a after edit credits scene or was this at the? No, that's during the Fast and Furious family barbecue <laughs> scene. I didn't end. know yeah. what you were talking about earlier with that reference. Yeah. That's totally isn't that what how it Fast is. and Furious yeah. ends. Isn't it always at a barbecue yeah. with the family <laughs> drinking I Coronas? Two of them. Yeah. yeah, I'm so upset yeah. Vin Diesel didn't walk by with a Corona in his hand. I know we're missing Groot. Yeah, yeah, should have been Groot. Yeah, they should have had Baby Groot in there Very trying mad. to drink a Corona. That would have been amazing, <laughs> appealing Very to like mad. this Venn diagram of Fast and Furious <laughs> and Marvel fans. It's uh, like me and Drew at the family dinner. You not only see Jen get embarrassed by her parents when she brings um, her her boyfriend to the meal. Which haven't we all been there? Uh, but then Hulk shows up with his son, Scar. And I want to ask you guys, what do you all know about this character? Tell me. Scar is a really cool character. He's usually got really long hair and is like kind of barbaric. Um, so when he showed up, he's like got like kind of like a, I don't know, like a monkish style haircut. Um, I was like, oh, this is going to be different. Mm. But this dude's like nickname He's Killer of Killers. Oh, he is wow. Scar the Killer of Killers. He's like, he, he's he's like Berserk Hulk. Like, insane, doesn't care who you are. Like, will kill anybody oh, in the comics. Wow. And like, Hulk has to like kind of pull him back uh, in the comics. Uh, after, it's a long, terrible, tragic story, as all superhero back stories are, um, as to how he lost his mob and stuff. But this dude is like a bad dude who has some really fun fights with Wolverine in the comics as well. So interesting that they set that up. I kind of don't think we're going to get World War Hulk anymore. I think we're going to get the repercussions of what Hulk did when he was on Sakaar, pre-Thor Love and pre-Thor Ragnarok, and in between there in um, Age of Ultron. Uh, I think that there might be a bunch of little Hulks. I think there might still be Hulks running around. But it wasn't because they stole Jen Walter's blood. It was just because Hulk had a lot of time on his hands wow. when he was on Sakaar and and made some poor choices. Is what it sounds that, like. That would be amazing. It also, I, that's kind of where I feel it's going now. That is a fun little tidbit. Don't know where Marvel's going with that. Here's what I am excited about: is the Young Avengers uh, comic book usually had uh, Kate Bishop, who is in the MCU now, Wiccan and Speed, who are kind of and kind of not in the MCU now. Uh, Scar, Elijah Bradley, who is like the Patriot, and and usually that team is either uh, headed up by uh, Vision or Hawkeye or somebody kind of older, and I think all of that is in play now, which is really cool. 
Uh, I think you could get a fun, you know, band of young superheroes trying to figure out how to be Avengers. And I think that could be a lot of fun. So, and maybe throw Jen Walters in there as like their lead. I don't know. That, that, that the, I'm still excited for what the MCU can produce based off this, even if I kind of feel like it was a waste of my time to watch all of these in 30 minute increments for nine weeks. Um, but that was enough for me. Like the, to see Daredevil and Hulk share the screen, uh, man, 12 uh, year old uh, Kyle would have just died for that. Yeah. I was geeking out so hard when they were on the screen. I was like, oh, it's here. It's happening. It's happening. Uh, that was just so much fun. Um, even though the, Matt Murdock wasn't even suited up at the time. Right, right. I'm, I'm excited to see where the MCU goes from here. I do think my expectations will be greatly tampered uh, after after this after this going yeah. into uh, the the Marvel TV series. But I'm still excited, and Tatiana Maslany did an awesome job. I'm excited to see her on the big screen, even though Kevin said no. Also, who do you think the or what do you think the other show that Wongers got sucked into was that Tim Roth references? I think he was. Like referencing like The Sopranos, like uh, you got you were watching another show. Yeah. I don't uh, think that was like fourth wall understanding. I, I yeah <laughs> yeah I I was still on the everybody's breaking the fourth wall now. No, so yeah, he was so. referencing that there was another MCU show that Wongers yeah. is going to be in. Oh man, I've been living yeah, in a stuff. fairy tale for the last like three days. <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry that I made you do this nine weeks in a row we should have bailed after the third week and i was like i don't think it's gonna get better from here i'm not sure that it did i'm not sure that it did but i appreciate you guys going on this journey with me listener appreciate y'all sticking with us too as we talked about all nine episodes of she hulk attorney at law was it good i'm not real sure was it bad i don't think so is it worth your time who's to say um but we will catch you guys on the next episode of not the podcast you deserve as we talk about a show that is definitely worth your time, House of the Dragon, and that's next. <laughs>